You're listening to Nutrition Matters Podcast with Paige Smathers, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist. Hey everyone, it's Paige, your favorite nutrition podcaster and dietitian. Nutrition Matters Podcast explores what really matters in nutrition and health with a sensitive and realistic approach. This podcast relies on the support of listeners like you and needs donations to keep this project running. To help support the podcast, please consider making a donation at pagesmathersrd.com slash podcast. If you find this episode interesting, engaging, or helpful in your life, please consider donating, sharing with friends and family, and leaving a review on iTunes. You can leave a review about this podcast straight from your podcast app, search Nutrition Matters Podcast, click reviews, and then write a review. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Paige Smathers RD if you'd like to have a little more food for thought. Thank you for listening. Hi, everyone. Thanks again so much for joining me for another episode of Nutrition Matters Podcast. As you already know, my name is Paige Smathers and I'm the host. And in case you're new to the podcast and this might be one of the first ones you're listening to, I just wanted to give you a heads up on what I'm up to with some of the episodes that I'm releasing in the next year or so. I, what I've done is I've taken the first few episodes that I recorded and released and I have uh, taken them off of the queue, uh, off of the podcast um, currently. And what I'm doing is I'm republishing a few of my favorites, a few of the ones that I feel are most important for my listeners to continue to have access to. So this episode is one that I recorded a few years ago with Lauren Fowler, who's a registered dietitian uh, who specializes in intuitive eating. She's also a yoga, a certified yoga instructor. So that's a fun angle that she brings to the idea of connecting to your body. So in this conversation, Lauren and I talk briefly about her own story with discovering intuitive eating. And then we also uh, dive into the 10 principles of intuitive eating, and we, t- we kind of have a discussion about each one of them. This episode is a really good introduction to the concept of intuitive eating. So if you're new to it, if you're still trying to wrap your head around what it means, this is actually a really good place to start. It's also a good episode to share with friends and family um, who, you know, maybe you're trying to work on your own journey with intuitive eating, eating and maybe your family is confused or has no idea what, what that really means. And if so, this, this can be a good resource to share with them as well. And before we get into my conversation with Lauren, just wanting to remind you really quickly about some resources that are available to you. The first is the Nutrition Matters podcast community on Facebook that you're welcome to request to join and participate in the discussion there. That's really um, a fun little community we've built there. So feel free to join us. And then also, as always, I like to let you know that if you like what you hear on the podcast and if you want a little bit more in-depth guidance and training in kind of letting go of dieting and figuring out what what to do instead and how to take good care of yourself. I have an online course. It's it's 10 weeks long and that's something to check out to just see if it might be a good fit for you. And as always, if you have questions about it, you're more than welcome to reach out to me and we can we can see if it's a good fit for you. So if you want to check that out, the head on over to pagesmathersrd.com slash course. Okay, with that, let's get into talking with Lauren Fowler, who, again, is a registered dietitian, nutritionist, 
in um, Vermont, and she and I have a really fantastic conversation all about intuitive eating. So enjoy. So I just am, I, I like to encourage my guests to share their own personal story with nutrition and with their journey to kind of discovering what really matters to them about nutrition. And I've read through your story both on your blog and also um, just through that that ebook that you have called Hips, Hunger, and the Pursuit of Healing, Lessons on Intuitive Eating and Body Image. So I've I've learned and gotten to know you quite a bit just, just with reading your writings. But would you be comfortable kind of sharing sharing your story about about your intuitive eating journey or your dieting journey mm-hmm. as a young kid to kind of today? Yeah, so sure. So I shared a little bit of what it was when I was in college, but it really started kind of um, as like a teenager, like a lot of um, young teenagers and, and girls or even boys as well go through of, you know, having this feeling that my body wasn't good enough or that I had to lose weight or, or change my body to have a flat stomach or look a different way. So I started counting calories for myself and it kind of went to an extreme of, you know, restricting calories, restricting certain foods and kind of going back and forth, even if I knew um, kind of intellectually that I wasn't treating my body with with the care that it deserved. I kind of always had that knowing, but I still was hoping that if I found this perfect body, then I would have... Um, great friends or great relationships, or I would, you know, be happier, all these things that I kind of put onto my food and my body image. Um, So when I found intuitive eating, you know, even if I was, even though I wasn't really restricting my food intake at that point in college, it was still, you know, coming from this place of disordered eating thoughts in terms of I have to eat these certain foods or just putting all the focus of my health on nutrition when there are so many other aspects of health that don't necessarily include nutrition, like uh, working with your stress levels or sleep or movement. Um, So through the process of intuitive eating, I started to listen and actually listen to my body in terms of tuning into my hunger cues, like recognizing when I was, when I was full, you know, giving myself permission to have, have vegetables, but also have chocolate or, um, wine or whatever it is I was craving and not feel guilty or ashamed of myself for having those foods. And through that process, I really was able to feel more comfortable in my body. And my weight even didn't really even change. It kind of stayed around the same. And I still feel comfortable in the body I have now, even if years ago, it was I was at the same weight and I didn't feel comfortable then. So it's this process of tuning back in, back into my body and finding, um, this place where I can honor my hunger and fullness cues, honor the cravings I have and being able to meet my body's needs, whatever those needs may be on each day. Got it. Wow. That's great. So when did, when did you notice that you were kind of starting to develop some behaviors, some eating behaviors that were problematic? I think I started to feel uncomfortable in my body, probably like seventh or eighth grade. And then probably in high school, I started to change how I would eat of just being aware of, you know, how I was eating and starting to count calories. Okay. And then when did you feel like it kind of came together for you? And, and how, how long did it take for you to kind of experiment with trying different things to find something that worked well for you with intuitive eating? 
Mm-hmm. So it, it definitely came together more more in college. So going through kind of high school, having kind of going in and out of these phases of counting calories or being more obsessive about food, and then phases where I wasn't necessarily obsessive about food. Then in college, I when I found the book Intuitive Eating, kind of going through the practices suggested in the book of, you know, just being more conscious and aware of my body and going through this process of foods that I may not have let myself have before. Um, Like I would go through phases where I would tell myself like, oh, you can't have any sugar or chocolate and kind of breaking down those rules or mindsets I set for myself and giving myself permission to actually have those foods and notice what I like about them. So there were foods that I, I would eat that I wouldn't necessarily actually like. And when I started to eat them, um, then I could notice like, oh, what do, what do I like about this food or what don't I like about this food? And really honoring what, what I was craving and letting myself have that, even if that meant I ate a lot one day and I wasn't as hungry the next day, of recognizing that, that my body's needs and, and hunger and fullness levels definitely change day to day. Um, so it definitely came together kind of through college and since then, it's still been like a journey of, you know, practicing intuitive eating on a regular basis because it is, because it is a practice um, and having to kind of tune tune in each, each day and recognize if there's something going on in my life that's affecting how I eat. Right. And I think that's really important of a question that you did ask because it does, it does take time. Um, a lot of times with my clients with eating disorders, it could be going from this phase of, you know, weight restoration, focusing on that for a while, and then, you know, kind of finding finding maintenance around that, and then transitioning to intuitive eating. It could be several months to several years of this process or journey. Definitely. And it sounds, I, I really liked what you just said about how you were nervous that about just kind of the idea of intuitive eating that kind of says, hey, you should, you should honor your cravings. You should eat when you're hungry. You should stop when you're full. That seems a little scary for a lot of people because they think, well, the minute I start allowing myself to eat what I really want to eat, I'm going to just lose all control. I don't, I can't practice control around cake or chips or whatever it might be for them. So your experience was the opposite. And I know most, most people find find your experience to be their experience. So tell me a little bit more about what that was like, giving yourself permission to eat those foods. Kind of dive into that and, and, and explain what happened with your relationship with food as you gave yourself unconditional permission to eat. Mm-hmm. So at first, like I was really resistant to that idea. I'm like, oh no, that, that may be other people's experience, but it won't be mine. Then I think a lot of my clients have that same experience as well. So when I actually did it, I, I started with like these like um, foods like chocolate, for example. I just let myself have like a bar or two of dark chocolate in my, my house and then I let myself have it whenever I wanted. So actually in the first probably few weeks, I did have it a lot and have it several times a day, like have a few squares several times a day. And at first that did feel a little bit out of control, but the more I had it in the house, I could realize, hey, it's just food. I can have it anytime I want. And I started to trust that and actually believe that statement that it's just food. I can have it anytime I want. And then I was able to kind of work through and realize like, oh, I, I do want chocolate right now, but chocolate's not satisfying this need. So maybe I have this emotional hunger or emotional need that I need to look at 
and starting to explore what those emotional needs were for myself. And for me, it was, yeah, I was this process of first realizing that I had this emotional need, but not even being able to name it at first. And then over time, I was able to kind of name like, oh, I'm feeling anxious, or I'm feeling overwhelmed, or I'm feeling um, fearful about something. And then over time, even more, I was able to kind of really actually meet that need in the moment. So other things seemed more appealing to me because they would than eating the chocolate or eating the food because I'm more able to satisfy that emotional need because I'm never going to feel emotionally satisfied from eating the chocolates. So it's kind of finding that pause of breathing into the space in that pause in that moment to realize what I need and giving myself the chocolate if I need it because sometimes it, it would be too hard to actually do this process and I just wanted the chocolate and other times I can actually do it. But just That's trust really me. realistic. I love that. I, I love that you, what you described about allowing yourself to have chocolate in the first couple weeks. Yeah, you might have had more than you needed or more than you should have or more than you felt good about. And so that might have felt really scary. But I love that you stuck with it and found this balance for you where you were able to, you know, recognize and believe and trust, like you said, that that it really is going to still be there and you don't need to get it all in now and you can have more tomorrow. And and I like that realistic approach because a lot of people will say, oh, intuitive eating, if it's around, you just won't want it anymore. And, mm-hmm. and I think that sets people up for this expectation of, well, I'm failing at intuitive eating because I still am going overboard with this chocolate that I really love that's in my house. Why is it not magically working? So I love that you're describing that process, that it's, that it's a practice and a process and that you really might go overboard for, for a little while. And that's okay, too. Yeah, you're not going to develop any any nutrient deficiencies from going overboard for for a while or even if it's a little bit more nutritionally imbalanced for a little bit. I'm just trusting that your body always wants to, to get into balance. And also what was important for me was recognizing why I liked that time of like eating chocolate of you know, it did kind of give me this this moment of escape or this moment of pleasure that I wasn't allowing myself in other ways and being able to realize like, oh, how can I meet these other needs, not necessarily using food? Yeah, that that is really, really important information for people to hear. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. So it was a practice. It was a process for you to develop these behaviors. Would you say that reading that book and being introduced to that dietitian who did, who did intuitive eating was kind of your aha moment or would you would would you say that there really was one moment or was it more just kind of I would say there was there was one aha moment there, that definitely was a really pivotal moment for myself because I you know didn't go into that experience like expecting to change my relationship with food at all. It was just kind of a surprise. And I'm really grateful for that surprise. But it's all these like moments like over time that we like realize that when I tried these practices of like learning these lessons along the way of, you know, allowing myself to have these foods around or learning what my hunger and fullness cues are, kind of exploring how my body wants to to eat, starting to practice, uh, do this kind of body image work of, you know, respecting my own body that in the book Intuitive Eating, there are 10 different principles. So even if you can't necessarily work with the hunger and fullness cues, like a lot of my clients, they ha- they don't have hunger cues, they're absent or their fullness 
those cues are distorted. So they can't necessarily trust those at first, but they can work with other of the other principles. So there's the 10 different principles. So it could be working with the hunger and fullness cues, but it also could be learning to respect your own body or make peace with food through some of the processes I, I was just mentioning. Great. Yeah. So I think we've laid a good foundation of who you are, where you've been, kind of how you've evolved through through the years and through your education, and then also through your own kind of introspection. And now I want to kind of move on, uh, unless you have something else to add, I guess. No. Okay. I want to kind of move on to defining intuitive eating. I know that there's, you know, maybe someone will just listen to this one this one episode and, and not go back and listen to some of the others about intuitive eating. So to you, Lauren, I just want to hear kind of your own personal definition or understanding of the term intuitive eating for someone who's never heard of what this means. How would you define it? So I would define it as attuning to your own body rather than using external rules or external diets. So I always describe it as kids tend to be natural intuitive eaters, that they eat food, they can enjoy it, and they can move on. Some days they eat more, others say, other days they eat less, but over time they really are meeting their body's needs for their own growth and where they are. So kind of connecting back, we all have that natural sense in us, but we tend to lose it over time with these rules we pick up of our parents telling us to finish our plates or, you know, reading these magazines that talk to us about like restricting carbohydrates or other senses like that. So it's starting to break down these, these diet rules and this diet mindset to get back to listening to your own body. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, I'm just anticipating people's questions here. So I know how I'd answer these things, but I want to hear your perspective. What would you, you know, is, is intuitive eating a catch-all for everybody? Is it like if someone's listening to this and like, yeah, that sounds great, but I just do better with structure or I can't listen to my body. I don't trust it. I, you know, it, I, I, you can't, I can't exercise control when I'm around certain foods. You know, that's for someone else. It's not for me. Like what, what would you say to, to those people? Yeah, Who are we trying to target with emotional or with intuitive eating? Mm -hmm. So it's super important to, work with where you are. So you may not be ready for intuitive eating and that's that's okay. That there, you know, intuitive eating can be pretty broad. So there are these other principles that you can work on if you're not ready for kind of listening to your own body using kind of hunger and fullness. But in general, this works well for people who kind of identify as as emotional eaters or disordered eaters. For people with eating disorders, I know a lot of people want to work on intuitive eating, but if you're more active in your eating disorder or if you're not necessarily weight restored, I usually don't work on this until you're at a place where you can actually trust those hunger and fullness cues. So you, that's why I'll, I will work with like clients with eating disorders will, with meal plans to provide that structure they need in the beginning before they can eventually start to trust their own body. And are your meal plans like Monday morning, you eat this for breakfast this for lunch or what is it what does a meal plan look like for you for mm -hmm. someone who's struggling to kind of uh, restore their weight or just get back on track mm -hmm. so I try to make them as as flexible as possible and based on what each client needs so each person you know each body is unique and has different nutritional needs compared to if someone is working on 
weight restoration or if someone ha is, is pregnant or other, other aspects of their health. So it could be asking them, like, what are their, some of their favorite foods? You know, how do they normally like to eat if they're vegetarian or if they're not vegetarian, if they have any dietary restrictions? Um, and helping them come up with meal ideas or snack ideas that they actually enjoy and, and would eat that, and that are pretty balanced as well. So the basics of nutrition, I usually just view it as the foundations of nutrition that most people know and understand. Nutrition doesn't have to be super complex or super complicated that a lot of people make it. It's important to figure out what, what works with your body, but the meal plans definitely have a balance of proteins, fats, and carbohydrates. And, you know, it depends on, on the person's needs, but if it is like weight restoration, it could be eating like five or to six times a day, um, having these, these balanced portions of the meal and uh, eating like 75 to 100% of your meal plan, because there will be days that it's harder and that you're struggling and there will be days that you're doing really well. Mm -hmm. So if, uh, not getting upset or feeling bad about yourself if you don't meet your meal plan that one day, because you can always work on it again tomorrow. Great. Yeah. Back to that question a little bit ago about intuitive eating. Is this a catch-all for everybody? I mean, in my opinion, I'm always trying to get people that I work with toward intuitive eating, at least it's in some aspect, kind of like you said. Maybe it's not hunger and fullness. Maybe it's not um, making peace with food. Maybe it's just starting off with challenging those deep-seated beliefs about dieting and just seeing if, if those really make sense, seeing if that really questioning, if that really works for you. But typically my approach with people, whether it's someone who's trying to lose weight or someone who's trying to work through an eating disorder, or even someone who is just here to talk to me a little bit about, you know, a, a new diagnosis of celiac disease or whatever. I'm always looking for those red flags of someone who who has kind of this damaged relationship with food. Cause I think most of us struggle with that in, in one way or another. So I, I like to at least bring in some topics of intuitive eating kind of under that umbrella in each of the people that I'm working with, because I, I think that the reason it is the answer, in my opinion, for, for everybody, it's universal. The reason it is, is because what we're trying to encourage you to do is to be who you really are and to trust who you really are eventually, right? And to really, instead of, like you said, instead of looking outward toward rules and regulations and restrictions, you're looking inward to, to figure out what you really need. So if someone's listening to this and they're saying, yeah, that sounds great, but that's not what I need, I would really encourage you to kind of think Think about that and maybe just challenge that and, and look at which aspects of intuitive eating you might be able to apply into your life right now. What, what, what more would you add to that though, Lauren? Yeah, and even thinking about why, why intuitive eating doesn't sound appealing to you. Like you could have a lot of barriers or feel stuck because that's not your experience and everyone has their own 
experiences and belief systems about food, kind of how they grew up or, or different um, things that they were exposed to during your life. So kind of exploring like what would a healthy relationship with food be for you? Because that's a question I always ask clients on my first uh, session with them of how do you want your relationship with food to be? And a lot of times it's a pretty simple answer of I just want to enjoy food or I want to feel free around food. I want to be able to eat and and feel good. And when people overcomplicate nutrition or, you know, overcomplicate, even overcomplicate intuitive eating, like feeling like they're not doing it right, it just kind of takes all the pleasure and joy out of it. So kind of just working with you are where you are and finding more, more play and ease into the situation, because this could definitely be challenging work. It is at times, but if you can add more, more ease into it and find more joy along the journey of just being able to kind of laugh or go along with things, it's going to make it a lot more enjoyable of an experience. So what I mean by that is um, if you have a day where you're just not paying attention and you're super busy and you just don't notice your hunger or fullness cues, just being able to like recognize and be aware of like, okay, so I didn't do so well today, but I can do, I can try again tomorrow of this doesn't, this intuitive eating isn't a another diet where you can't really fail at intuitive eating. It's just this process that you learn and connect to back to over time. Yeah. And and one thing I would add to that is that part of being successful with intuitive eating, and I use that term kind of loosely because I don't think that it's, that there really is a black and white line of success or failure at all with intuitive eating. But part of part of being able to be successful in your own world with with intuitive eating is having this attitude of curiosity. So what I mean by that is if you can take the perspective of just being curious about your own body and how your body communicates to you hunger cues and what it feels like to be full or satisfied, if you're curious about that, you're going to be much more successful than if you're just trying to really figure it out and be perfect at it right away. And curiosity also comes in handy when we're talking about, um, you know, having those times where we just really do get off track or where we go on a vacation and we're just feeling a little bit out of out of control and out of sorts and out of your routine and all of that. If you can just get curious, like, hmm, what went wrong there? Why did I, why did I feel the need to binge on that particular food that evening? What, what went wrong there? You know, if we can get really emotional and we can start to feel like really like a failure or just down on our luck or, man, I'm never going to succeed at this, or we can, we can take the perspective of getting curious so that we can learn from it and actually use it for our benefit. So I love what you said about having laughter be part of this and, and thinking about this as a practice. And then I would just add that being curious and, and kind of taking away some of the emotional side effects that we can sometimes experience with dieting, I think is really helpful with intuitive eating. Mm-hmm. Curiosity is a huge thing. I just posted something on my Instagram last night that said, get curious, not judgmental, because we can often approach these things with this judgmental or shame-based approach of, 
oh, I, I should, I know, I should know what I'm doing by now. Like I should be doing this and feeling bad about yourselves rather than getting curious. One way I like to do it um, for myself and with a lot of my clients is journal after these experiences. So if you do find yourself like restricting or dieting or binging, be able to kind of like pull out your journal and work through your thoughts or your emotions in that way it can be pretty therapeutic to, just to do a download from your head onto paper and get curious in that way of asking yourself these questions of what was going on? What was I feeling in that moment? Like, how can I meet that need? Why did I feel the the urge to go to food? Like, how can I find a pause between to recognize how I'm feeling before automatically turning to the food to binge? Yeah, that's a great tip. Journaling is a really, really good, good tool to use um, for those who are willing to take the time to do that. And I think... It also ha- it has the benefit of helping you in the moment, but then also there's the added benefit of being able to have that record to look back maybe months later you're struggling and you can remember, wow, this is how I brought myself out of that difficult time. These are the thoughts I was having. And it can really be a strength both both kind of presently and also in the future. So Yeah, and getting curious not only helps with with food and nutrition-wise, but it also helps with like so many other things. So I like to take the the broader perspective of health includes nutrition, but it can also include like movement and sleep and healthy relationships and just managing your stress and um, finding joy in your life. So you can figure out like what, what other hungers you have for life. So you may feel like it's just this physical hunger. You can't figure out like why you can't find control around food or why you can't stop eating, but it could be this, this craving just to rest and take a break or this craving to find more joy in your life or this craving to, um, move your body in a certain way. So kind of exploring and getting curious about what your body is asking for in each moment. Beautiful. And do you believe that everybody has this in us and that it's not something that we have to learn? Like in terms of intuitive eating, it's not something we necessarily have to learn. It's something we just have to kind of come back to. Would you agree with mm-hmm. that? Yeah, I definitely agree. It's something we can come back and kind of think about our body as as our home and that it's already innately in us. We just need to connect back to the sense. And it does take this kind of relearning process of like relearning how, how to eat. And for some people, this could take longer than other people. Like some people may have been on, on diet since they were kids, their parents may, or their family members or friends around them could have had these been on diets as well. So it could have brought it down to, to the child. So it could be a long time where you haven't found this innate sense of intuitive eating, but I do believe it's it's in there for everyone. Yeah, I love I love that idea personally. I think that knowing that this is not just another diet, this is not another set of rules to learn. This is all about coming back to you and your intuition and who you are. I just think that that's such a beautiful idea and so freeing, you know, to not have to feel like you have to constantly be looking outside of yourself that really the answers are are already there. We just have to discover them and be open to them. So, and when you're able to connect to your body with food, a lot of people find this. And for me, I did as well. I was able to connect to to my bodies and desires for other things of kind of listening to my intuition or my gut feelings about um, different jobs or different relationships or how I wanted to live my life and how I wanted to to show up for myself. 
Yeah, so true. I think we can often kind of compartmentalize health or wellness and we can say, well, nutrition's over here and personal development is over here and family life is here. But, you know, what I love about what, what I do and what you do, what we do, is, you know, we're really helping people connect to life in general, hopefully, with the people that we work with is just helping them to be free and to have space in their life and in their heart and in their life in general for the things that really matter. And nutrition is one of them, but it's not, it's not everything and it shouldn't be everything. And I mean, when you have that balance in the rest of your life and you actually are enjoying your life, you probably want to take care of your body becomes a lot more easy there's, it becomes a lot more full of ease that you can find the joy in eating, that it just becomes more natural for you to want to kind of eat nourishing foods and enjoy food and take care of yourself. Definitely. Well, great, Lauren, this has been great. I, I want to know if, if the best way to take this is to kind of go through some of the principles kind of one by one, and some of them we've already talked about in depth, but just to help get give people a basic idea of what intuitive eating really is and what the principles are. Would would you like to go that direction or would you like to take it a different direction? Sure, we can definitely go that direction. Okay. Well, I'll just start down down the list of the 10 principles of intuitive eating and then we can have just a little a little conversation about each one. Um, some might be a little longer than others, but um, okay, let's just start with number one. So number one, is reject the dieting mentality. So what do you have to say about that, Lauren? I think this is the most important, one of the most important things of just recognizing that the culture we live in is this more diet, diet focused mindset that we hear about diets, we see advertisements for diets or Weight Watchers or whatever it is on a daily basis and starting to realize that we don't have to lose weight to be healthy, that we don't have to eat diets, that we have this innate sense of intuitive eaters within ourselves that we just mentioned, and starting to break down what we believe about food, what we believe about our bodies, um, how we eat, and kind of creating like a list for ourselves of all these, these rules or regulations we've created for ourselves of how we need to approach food and starting to experiment with approaching food in a different way. Um, that is one I feel really passionately about too. And if I think I think it's really true what they say in the book. They say if there's any kind of lingering hope that the next diet might work, you're really not going to be able to be successful with intuitive eating because you do tend to kind of you're you're just not free when you're when you're tied down by by this dieting mentality. You're just not free to be open to this idea of intuitive eating. You're you're kind of locked down with your thoughts about restriction and with weight loss and with body image and comparing and all of that. And you're just, it's just not going to be successful. So that's yeah. really the foundation to being able to discover intuitive eating within you. Yeah. I like the term they use like pseudo dieting. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Definitely. Okay. So number two is honor your hunger. So one thing I like to do with people that I work with is really try to define hunger. What does it mean to be hungry? How does it feel? How, how do you answer those questions, Lauren? 
So it's really different for everyone. Like I like to explore that with different people as well because some people find that they feel their hunger more in their stomach. They notice like their stomach growling or they just feel this empty, empty feeling in their stomach. Some people start to notice the first signs of hunger as their brain is focusing on food or thinking about food or they're, they're feeling spacey and aren't able to pay attention as much. So at first, a lot of times it's defining those more extreme forms of hunger mm-hmm. of when your stomach is really growling or when you can't focus or you may feel um, dizzy or lightheaded. So that's kind of the extreme end of hunger and then starting to explore what these more mild or moderate levels of hunger are. Of you like just starting to feel like a sensation of mild hunger in your stomach or starting to think about food and have it have you realize that, oh, maybe I should eat in the next hour or so. And starting to really realize like your hunger is just a sensation and a cue from your body. You don't have to put a lot of labels or judgment on it or view it as a bad thing. It's just a cue from your body. Like if you When you have to go to the bathroom, your body lets you know, and you don't judge that. You just listen and go. You don't really try to push it off. So same with with hunger. You can start to honor and listen to those signals as well. Definitely. And just I would add that in my own experience with hunger, and I know a lot of people kind of experience the same thing, if I get past the point of that gentle hunger where, you know, I should probably do it, but I'm still kind of feeling... I should probably eat, but I'm still kind of feeling in control. I'm not feeling too crazy yet. I do get to the point where if I if I ignore that, if I don't honor that hunger, I do end up getting to that point of just feeling really desperate where I get so hungry that it just doesn't really matter what someone puts in front of me. I'm going to eat it and I'm going to eat a lot of it. And I'm it's going mm-hmm. to be harder for me to listen to when I need to stop. So I think I think that's kind of how I define the right level of hunger to eat is when you're hungry and but you're still kind of feeling in control of being able to choose a good you know a good option that you feel good about and then also a reasonable portion size and then even recognizing um, like maybe in between meals if you're starting to notice that that you are hungry like asking yourself am I hungry enough for a meal or hungry enough for a snack and starting to explore that for yourself because sometimes you'll be really hungry and you are eating like it may feel like you're eating all day and then some days you're not as hungry and that that's normal too that your hunger levels may vary day to day. Yeah, and being okay with that. Exactly. I love I love to remind people or to tell them that our bodies really like averages. So we don't have to be exactly on the mark with our calorie intake or our vitamin A intake or our vitamin C intake every single day. Our bodies are really kind to us and they're they're programmed to be able to kind of roll with the punches. Some days there's ex- excess and some days there's not quite enough and they do just fine with that. So so just chill out about getting the perfect amount of everything each day. I think that's Yeah, and you can't find perfect perfect levels of hunger either. So it's going to be this like experimentation phase. Totally, totally. And learning what your what it feels like in your own body. We can give ideas of what it feels like in ours and we can kind of talk that through, but really it does come down to experimentation and curiosity. So. And I love I love that saying just because my role as the a dietitian who's using intuitive eating is really to guide my clients to figure out their own bodies. Like I may know what kind of a nutritionally balanced diet is, but it's different for everyone. And I'm not in my clients' bodies. I can't figure out what hunger or fullness feels like for them. So it's giving them the tools so they can explore it on their own. 
perfect. Love that. Okay, let's move on to number three. The third principle of intuitive eating is make peace with food. I'd love to just hear how, how you teach that and, and what that means to you. So one of the main things I teach make peace with food is what I talked about with my own experience prior of just giving myself the permission to have some of these foods around. If you do have any rules, whether that's like carbohydrates or sugar, or it's, it's different or cheese, it's different for everyone of starting to give yourself permission to have this and starting to really let yourself sit down and, and eat it mindfully and enjoy these foods and recognizing the fears that do come up when you do have them. Because you may still have these thoughts of um, why you feel like this food is bad for you, but starting to actually do it and exposing yourself to these foods over time makes it easier. And you'll start to realize like, oh, the, the worst fear I had actually didn't come true. Because we kind of have all these anticipations or anxiety before we try these foods of what could happen if I have these foods of I could gain five pounds or I could feel bloated or whatever it is. But when you actually go into it and make this more of a pleasurable eating experience, those anticipatory fears really aren't aren't usually there. And if you feel bloated with a food, that's that's okay and that's that's normal at times too. But just experimenting and exploring, giving yourself permission to include all foods. So really going back to kind of the principle number one of breaking the diet mindset of when you're noticing yourself having this reaction and telling yourself you can't have this food, then that could be a good time to let yourself have that food around um, and exploring these, these mindsets around food that you are having just to give yourself permission to have all these foods. So it could be like my experience of there could be a few weeks where you eat a lot of this food and then it comes back more into balance. And a lot of people just feel so much peace hearing from a dietitian that you have unconditional permission to eat. You know, just the, the there's power in those words. You do have unconditional permission to eat. Now, if you have a food allergy, maybe not. If you, you know, there's there's certain situations where where that's not necessarily the case. But in general, you know, we need to give ourselves condition, unconditional permission to eat, but we need to also understand portion sizes. And, and we'll talk about this when we get to, to the last principle, but there, there's balancing all of this with, you know, understanding some principles of healthy eating as well. Yeah, and it's, it comes down to the intention behind you're eating, so your eating could look similar ways compared to um, before and after you go through intuitive eating. You could, you probably still will be eating relatively healthy whole foods because that's the way you'll feel that your body feels good in that sense. So it really comes down to to the intention behind behind why you're eating. Like you could come from it of an intention of restricting versus wanting to nourish your body. So when you're trying to take care of your body, if it's this more restrictive sense, it could be, I'm going to restrict sugar because, because it's a bad food and I shouldn't be eating it. Compared to you may just naturally be eating less sugar when you're, when you're eating intuitively because you know it makes you um, feel anxious or you don't feel as good when you have as much sugar. You still let yourself have these sweets and treats in your diet, but it's from this intention of more nourishing your body. Yeah, that's a, that's a beautiful thought. So number four is challenge the food police. And all I would say to that is just that that kind of really goes along with number three, making peace with food, and then also 
number one, rejecting the dieting mentality. So as you're working through rejecting the dieting mentality, maybe you notice that one of the biggest things you experience is, is these thoughts in your head that are, that are saying, you're really, you're doing really well. You're being good today because you're eating this salad or you're bad because you ate that whatever it might be. And so really, if, if this is what's standing out to you, that, that you just have these thoughts that you need to work on, I think that's what, what challenging the food police really means. And it might, it might be you that's the food police in your own head. It might be someone in your life who is just constantly um, nagging you or or shaming you about the foods that you're choosing. And, you know, in, if that's the case, I just encourage people to have respectful com- conversations with the people in their life to kind of help them understand how, how you're internalizing that and what that's doing, doing to you. What else would you add to challenging the food police? So I would say that a lot of times it's this experience of these, these really strong, harsh food police voices at first in terms of thinking of foods in a good or bad way or a lot of rules. And then it's finding that neutral place, that neutral curiosity place before you find this more gentler, intuitive eating voice. So it could be kind of thinking about like, oh, I'm noticing I'm hungry right now. Um, And then the more intuitive eater voice could be like, oh, I feel hungry. Maybe I should eat. So still finding those neutral voices first and being able to kind of turn down the volume on those harsher food police voices. Oh, I love that. Thank you for adding that. That was great. Awesome. So let's move on to number five, which is respect your fullness. And remember, number two was honor your hunger. So I think these these two really go together. What, what do you want to say about fullness? So fullness is finding that same with, with same with hunger, you can have these more extreme levels of fullness, like after Thanksgiving when most people feel really stuffed and uncomfortable, but finding that place after a meal where you start to feel mildly full or you're not, not necessarily hungry and you're satisfied and can move on. And I know satisfaction is the next um, intuitive eating principle, but fullness is you know, being able to kind of check in with yourself in the meal, being mindful and aware as you're eating. So a lot of people tune out while they're eating, like they, they'll watch TV or work through their meals on their computer. Um, and I don't think you have to have completely mindful meals all the time, but just being mindful to your body as you're eating. So you can start to slow down and re- slow down and recognize when you're starting to feel no longer hungry or, or when you're starting to feel mildly full because finding that point when you're starting to feel mildly full so you can leave your meal still feeling energized rather than than drained and depleted if you're getting to um, a super stuffed level of full after every single meal yeah definitely and another thing that I that I noticed in my own body is when I'm able to honor my hunger it's easier to recognize when I'm satisfied or, or comfortably full and you know, I grew up in this house of really big eaters. <laughs> My mom and sisters and I can all put down food. And so I kind of grew up loving the feeling of full or even kind of almost uncomfortably full. And so I've really had to work on this respect your fullness one quite a bit. And what I've noticed is as I as I do honor that fullness and I res- and I stop at, at the point where I'm satisfied, I do end up 
bumping up a level of fullness. If I just wait a few minutes, even 20, 20 or so minutes after eating, I recognize that, okay, I stopped when it was almost uncomfortable for me to stop because it's not natural for me. But as I, as I move on with my evening, because it's usually at dinner, I recognize, oh, I really didn't need to eat more. I'm feeling just fine now. So that's how it works in my own body is, is I really do get that feeling I really like, but it just is kind of a delayed reaction. So I have to kind of recognize that and stop a little bit before I normally would. Yeah, that's great. And for some people who um, may have eating disorders that they feel really uncomfortable feeling any sensations of fullness, respecting your fullness could be allowing yourself to feel full and notice that feeling in your body and be okay with that. Great point. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for rounding it back out to, you know, different perspectives and different experiences. That's awesome. Okay. So do you want to talk about number six? You already know what it is. <laughs> so yeah, it's finding the satisfaction in your food. So with this, I like to find the match between what I'm craving and what I actually eat, because that's going to leave me more satisfied. So if I'm craving a sandwich, but I eat a salad, I may not really feel satisfied. So I could feel full from eating the salad, but I won't necessarily feel satisfied. So feeling that both physical satisfaction in your body, but also this mental and emotional satisfaction with food of creating this whole eating experience that leaves you feeling satisfied and that you can enjoy, enjoy your, your meal. So this could also be exploring different ways to have this whole complete eating experience, like um, putting in music as you cook, to create this like satisfying environment to using your your nicest plates and starting to get to this point where you feel satisfied not only with the meal and the food but you feel satisfied with the whole eating experience. Definitely. And a word about that, I mean, it's very different when you go out to eat with good company to a to a nice restaurant with you know, good lighting and beautifully plated foods and you know, candlelight and music and, you know, the whole environment is appealing and peaceful. It's very different. You could eat the exact same food, but have a very different level of satisfaction in that environment versus, you know, eating in your car or eating in front of the TV or eating um, in some right, on your desk when you're at work and just kind of plowing through plowing through your mealtime without really paying attention to enjoying it. And so for me, part of what's, what's important about this idea of satisfaction is to recognize, first of all, that it's okay to enjoy your food. And second of all, that creating a positive eating environment and giving it the time that it deserves actually can help you with your goals. Sometimes you think, oh, that's a waste of time. Uh, that's why would I use my best plate? Why would I put on music? Why would I, you know, create this positive environment that that's just too much effort. Uh, it really can help you tune in and be more of an intuitive eater when you really can be, be in touch with your enjoyment and your satisfaction. Well, that's some of the best, um, self-care methods of actually taking time to cook and eat your meal is such a great form of self-care. And sometimes you won't feel satisfied with your food and that's that's okay. You can recognize like, oh, how can I feel more satisfied next time? Mm -hmm. Or some days you just need to get practical and you're super busy and you just need to eat in the car and that's okay too. Right, right. So that's an important point to balance all of what we're saying with life and with schedules and with reality. You know, we're not always going to be 
perfect at this. In fact, we never are. It's, it's a practice, like we've said many times. And it's also, I think, the most important thing about this idea of intuitive eating or making any kind of change with with your eating or your behaviors around food is not just all of a sudden waking up one day and being perfect at it. It's picking one or two things that you feel like, yeah, that really resonates with me. I feel like I could work on that and focusing on that and maybe not even paying attention or worrying about the other things because those will come as you, as you start to kind of get better at each one at a time. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So number seven is honor your feelings without using food. So that basically, you know, is encouraging us to think about how often are we eating because we're actually hungry or how often are we eating because of a different type of hunger? And you talk about this quite a bit in your ebook called Hips, Hunger, and the Pursuit of Healing, which I will link to on the website if anyone's interested in checking that out. I think it was really awesome. You guys have done a great job. Um, so what else would you add with that idea of, well, what are you hungry for? Well, thanks. I'm glad you enjoyed the ebook. So this is just about exploring your emotional hungers and really finding those, those methods of self-care because you're never going to feel satisfied if you're trying to meet this, this emotional need. Um, and being able to explore different forms of self-care for yourself and finding the time for rest or movement or, or sleep at times or, you know, getting out to enjoy some relationships if you're eating because you're, you're lonely or just rec- first I think it's bring, being aware and recognizing what the emotional need is of why you're eating. Definitely. Yeah. So like you said in the beginning, taking a moment to pause and really do a little bit of a quick self inventory and decide what type of hunger you're feeling. Is it hunger for food or is it hunger for some type of other feeling? And occasionally you will still eat even though you're feeling some other emotion and as long as you recognize that and keep that, you know, to a not super often basis, I'd say that that's normal. That's part of normal eating. Sometimes we just say, you know what, I'm sad today and I'm going to just eat this really delicious comfort food and I'm going to do it mindfully and that's okay. But the problem happens is when we we're tired, we eat, we're lonely, we eat, we're anxious, we eat. You know, if, if we're doing that too often, that that's when it becomes problematic. And it can be really helpful to do these check-ins with your emotional state throughout the day, just so you realize what you're feeling before you get to the point where you're trying to, to use food to meet those, meet those emotions. So just doing a check-in with how your physical body's feeling and doing a check-in with what your emotional needs are in each day. Yeah, great point. I love that. Okay, so number eight is respect your body. And you are a pro at this based on the things that I read in your book. So I'll let you take it away on that one. So uh, the metaphor I use with clients all the time is if you were a size seven shoe foot, then you wouldn't try to squeeze your foot into a size five shoe because it would feel miserable. You could probably squeeze your foot in there, but it would hurt and it wouldn't be the right size for you. So same with your body. Your Each person's body has kind of this different genetic blueprint and this different uh, weight range that is healthy and normal for it. So each person is different. So trying to kind of respect and appreciate your own body's natural size and shape 
And this can be a lot of like body image work. So it can be really helpful to work with work with a psychotherapist around this if you are struggling with, with your body image, which usually goes along with this relationship with food, but just kind of appreciating and being grateful for for your own body and what it can do. Um, and switching the focus from this weight focus idea and into this health focus idea of how can I take care of my body regardless of what my weight is. Oh, I couldn't have said it any better myself. I'm glad I let you take that one away. <laughs> awesome. So number nine is exercise and feel the difference. So this is one of my my favorite ones of we a lot of people exercise or go to the gym and they don't enjoy it or they feel like it's punishment or it hurts or all these things that we kind of have this um, these mindsets around exercise that way. But exercise and movement naturally feels really good to the body when you can find a way of moving that really works for you. Um, so that's changed a lot during my life. Like I used to go to the gym and I. I liked it. It was okay, but I didn't really love it. And it wasn't until I found that I really, really loved yoga or I really loved hiking that I actually found this this actual pure joy in moving my body that I actually crave moving my body in these different ways. It feels good. And I don't feel any pressure to actually go lift weights at the gym, for example. So actually feeling the difference physically in your body from moving your body of how it can feel good and finding this new relationship with exercise, but also feeling the the mental benefits from exercise. It can have all these benefits on our brain that supports our health and mental and emotional well-being as well. Yeah, that's that's perfect. Again, can't <laughs> couldn't have said it any better <laughs> myself. Um, and then number 10 is where it really comes together for me and where I, I really like to kind of, I really like to help people understand that intuitive eating really does take into account nutrition and, and, you know, quote unquote healthy food. It's not like you just say, eat whatever you want in however you, in however big of portions you want, forget all the things you learned about nutrition. It doesn't matter. That's not what intuitive eating is to me. So number 10 is called honoring your health with gentle nutrition. And that's what kind of brings it down to earth for me is, yes, we're trying to pay attention to these abstract, somewhat difficult emotions and feelings and really doing the work of self-care and understanding our emotions and our um, limitations and honoring our body and working on body image and all of this. All of that's great, but I think at the same time, we need to remember that part of intuitive eating is paying attention to the things that we have learned about the fundamentals of nutrition. And I like what you said earlier. You said it's all about your intention behind the foods that you're eating. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you can get to the point where you're making choices about what you're eating because of how it makes you feel rather than out of a punishment or, you know, self-loathing or something like that, I think that's, that's what this gentle nutrition idea is getting at. But what more would you add to that? And I would f say that, you know, actually finding the enjoyment in this of trying different recipes with whole foods or going to the farmer's market to, to find new things to try there, just trying different foods um, and creating these, these enjoyable eating experiences. And I kind of think about as some intentions you could make your food decisions around are 
like nutrition and nourishment, but it could also be taste and quality. And if you're making your food decisions around two or three of those, most of the time you're doing really well. So sometimes your food decisions could be like purely taste-based and sometimes it could be, you know, making making good food taste really well. So instead of eating what most people, what a lot of people would consider is like diet food, um, making these these good nutritional foods actually taste good with good recipes. Yeah, and that's so important to be able to avoid the dieting mentality is making sure that the foods that you are eating are sustainable and realistic and tasty to you. Because if you're not eating foods that you enjoy, you're not going to stick with it. Exactly. Yeah. And it does, you know, I think this principle brings it all into perspective as well that you know, nutrition really is, is important and, you know, working with a dietitian to kind of help you figure out what your own nutritional needs are, you know, because it could be different based on kind of your own personal um, health conditions or what stage of life you are in. Um, like if you're a teenager and still growing or if you're a woman who's pregnant or someone who is older that everyone's going to have different nutritional needs and you can listen to your body to kind of guide you in some ways around that but being able to kind of find find the foods or the recipes or the ideas that really work for you and taking into account your personal food preferences as well yeah that's that's great I love that it's just so realistic and simple but also profound way of of eating and viewing the world and your and your food and your body and who you are that's what I love about intuitive eating is it just, it really just feels good. It feels like the right thing to do. You're not punishing yourself. You're not hating yourself. You're working on just honoring and trusting your own intuition and your own inner self rather than relying on other sources to provide you with black and white lists of things to do and things not to do. And and so that that's why I love it. Why Why would you how would you sum up your reasons of why you love intuitive eating? It really helps me develop this healthy, enjoyable relationship with food. But the whole point of it for me is to be able to nourish my body so I can actually go out and live my life to give me energy to work with clients or or go for hikes or hang out with my dog or do other things in my life compared to having to obsess about food all the time in my head. So I have all this extra mind space and energy to think about other things and explore other other things I love to do in my life. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. You know, like you said, when you ask people what they really want, what their long-term future goals are most people will say I just want to feel good I just want to live life and be free of focusing on this and stressing about this and worrying about this every day and so I think that is what you just said is kind of the core of it all is that's what we're trying to help people to do is is to just be able to live their life and part of it is paying attention and and using you know some principles of healthy eating but then part of it is also letting go and and of all those rules and regulations and focusing more on on what you really need so that was a great sum up the last thing I was going to say is you know intuitive eating is it's just your own unique journey so it may look different 
from from you to me to to Paige to everyone else who's doing it and just letting and trusting the pace of how it happens for you because for some people it's going to be a faster process than for others so just kind of trusting where you are in the journey and letting it kind of unfold as you go along yeah yeah that's a great that's a great tip and really important thing to keep in mind so Lauren, if anybody is interested in the things that you've talked about and want to check out your blog or your coaching services or anything like that, they can find you at laurenfowler.co. Is that right? Yep, that's correct. Okay. And I can give you the link for um, our integrative therapy center. That's the Vermont Center for Integrative Therapy. Oh, that would be great. The website's vtcit.com. Okay. And it's Lauren, L-A-U-R-E-N, Fowler, F-O-W-L-E-R dot C-O. And I'll link to that on the website. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to add or we, we kind of, we summed it up pretty well? Yeah, I think we summed it up pretty well in starting just to kind of explore these ideas or, or pick up the book, Intuitive Eating, or figure out um, what you want to do with this and how you want your own relationship with food to be. Um, and you can find out more information on my website, like was mentioned. Okay. Well, thank you, Lauren, for your time. It was really great to talk more in depth about intuitive eating with you. Well, thanks for having me. I love connecting with other like-minded RDs. Well, I sincerely hope you've enjoyed this conversation. If you haven't already, please go ahead and leave a review on iTunes. Thanks again so much for listening, and we'll see you soon for another episode.